Good morning. So glad you are with us here at South City Church. My name is Drew Klein. I'm one of the pastors here. This has been a kind of a crazy week. Or is it just me? Right? It's kind of a crazy week. Some of you are coming in this morning elated. You're so excited. And some of you are coming in heartbroken, right? Uh, this is a crazy thing for our country to feel as divided as it is and, and ultimately for the church to be as divided in many ways as well. You know, the thing I want us to begin this series, we're going to start a series today called Grounded. And the thing I felt led of the Lord to do this morning is to talk about the fact that when you're not grounded, you can be tossed around. Life hits you. And trust me, if it hasn't, it will. Um, There's going to be storms in life. There's going to be struggles in life. There's going to be loss of loved ones and loss of jobs and and fear and, and, and broken hearts, and, and there's, there's difficulty that's going to come your way. There's going to be crazy election weeks that you don't know what to do with or be overjoyed with, and you're not going to know what to do. But the hope is that our grounding is, is in something deeper than ourselves, that we have a sure footing, not in our feelings, not in our culture, but in what God's word says. That is where we must be grounded. That is where we have to, to, to be planted, if you will, to be established, if you will. I want to, um, I want to show you this. This is, uh, this is my grandfather's Bible. I have to hold it very precariously because if I held it up, it would just fall apart down uh, onto the floor. My grandfather's, as I look through it, there's... Uh, um, yeah, at the very top, my brother's name, and when he was baptized, he wrote in here. <laughs> All these notes of, of when we were baptized, when we were saved, um, little notes that he wrote to himself, and as you thumb through his Bible, it's just, it's littered with notes and um, information, things are underlined, it's precious. This is precious to me. Uh, my brother, Dean, who's a partner here at South City, he was not here today, but he, uh, he had this. It was given to him. Um, and when I came to be on board at Temple four years ago, he came to me with this and said, I think this is uh, better in your hands maybe than mine. I think maybe you should have this. I think you need this. And I do. And I did. And uh, I, don't, I don't use it because it's so fragile, right? Uh, but it sits in my office in a very uh, prominent place. Let me tell you about my grandfather. His name was Fletcher Jenkins, and he was a really good man. He was a godly man. He loved the Lord. He loved the Lord with all of his heart, and uh, I loved him very much. I'm similar to him in build, uh, in sensitivity, in hairstyle. Um, I'm similar to him in many ways. Uh, he was a godly man, but he was not a pastor. Uh, he was a milkman. He drove a milk truck until he retired, and, uh, but he was a godly man. He uh, never went to college, but he was a hard worker. He believed this Bible to be true, everything in it. He lived his life in such a way that this meant something. This wasn't just a book. It was sacred to him. He held it in high esteem, <laughs> In fact, he even found some Bible classes around town to go learn more about the Word, 
to try and just be the disciple God wanted him to be. He was a deacon at Temple Baptist Church. He was gentle and godly, a good man. Never once heard him raise his voice. And interestingly enough, he had two beautiful little girls, my mom and her sister, my Aunt Gail. Not unlike me, I have two beautiful little girls as well. I was thinking this week about my grandfather and about the fact that people like my granddad, my grandfather, are few and far between. People who truly believe the word of God is the word of God. They're becoming fewer and fewer. In fact, Barna Research tells us that only 2% of practicing Christians feel like they've grown in their faith in the last year, 2%. They say that only 33% of Christians actually study their Bible. Gallup Research says that only 24% of Americans believe the Bible is true. Only 24% of Americans believe the Bible is true. And they, they had a little side note there that said, this is the lowest in our 40-year history. Gallup says that uh, 30% of Christians believe that the Bible is actually the word of God. Only 30% of Christians. And only 54% of Christians believe that it's the inspired word of God. Most people, in fact, believe that this book we call the Bible is just some book of myths, of tales, stories, and maybe a little bit of the history of men. That's what the world thinks of this book. In fact, there's many people that, as they've disagreed with this Bible, they just changed it, Right? This is kind of like uh, the Mormons. You know, Joseph Smith says that, that an angel came to him and gave him another book. Well, the end of Revelation, the last few verses in the end of Revelation says, no one should add to this revelation. You don't add to this book. So I guess he missed that memo. Uh, but he says the angel came, some angel came to him and, and preached a different gospel, and so they believe they have to earn their salvation, which is the same false doctrine that was being taught in a place called Galatia. And Paul taught the Galatians and said, if I or one of my team members or an angel from heaven come to you and we preach a different gospel than what I preached before, he should be accursed. He should be, Greek word, anathema, which means cursed to hell. Paul was pretty serious about not changing the gospel of Jesus, right? Not adding to the gospel of Jesus. Well, guess what is at the top of every Mormon, I won't call it a church, every Mormon building? An angel or a demon called Moroni. And they worship this demon and they live by a doctrine of this demon. It is a false doctrine. So they've just changed the word of God. Instead of agreeing with it, they've just said, no, we'll just change it. Uh, it's the same thing for Jehovah's Witnesses. They don't believe that, that Jesus is God, so they took the word of God and they edited it. Whew, what a dangerous thing to do. To change, no, I think this is better. Let's edit out all the scripture that says Jesus is God. The common, or I should say the, the modern version of this now, LGBTQ community has their own Bible, a friend of mine told me about this Bible the other day. Uh, it's called uh, the Queen James Version. And when I heard that, I went, oh my gosh, I couldn't, I started to say I can't believe it, but I could absolutely believe it, right? I looked it up on Amazon, the Queen James Bible. 
and no kidding, you know, they have bullet points to try and sell different versions and different books. The bullet point underneath this, this Bible said, edited to prevent homophobic misinterpretation. This book has been edited to prevent homophobic misinterpretation. If we don't like what it says, we'll just change it. That, that's what so many have done. So many religions, so many uh, affiliations. It's what we do as well. I'll take this part, but I don't want that part. I'll believe this part, but I won't believe that part. I'll walk in this part, but don't ask me about this part. Don't we do that? That's what we do. We, we, we take our own ideas, our own thoughts, our own convictions, and we call it our truth. Well, my truth is. Those are based on, on things that are not solid, not tested, not tried, not true. I have a friend who, uh, I won't tell you his name, but Christian artist, he was a Christian artist, and he was really good. He was also a professional baseball player for a little while, and he, uh, just a really talented guy. And he was making some really good music that were, was leading people in worship and beautiful career and ministry God was giving him. And out of nowhere, he stopped believing the orthodox faith of Jesus. Out of nowhere, he just left the faith. And he started a podcast. And even the name of the podcast is, is I won't tell you that, but he's, he's leading people away from the faith. Even the name of it is about questioning and doubting and leaving the faith of Jesus. It broke my heart, because this is a friend of mine. It broke my heart. He, when I listened to two or three of these, these, these uh, podcasts, I just wept. Because he was literally leading people away from the truth of Jesus. I called him. I said, my friend, I, I got a, I'm reaching out to you in love, pleading for your soul. Pleading that you, this wouldn't, you wouldn't do this, that you would stop this. Because you've now gone from sheep to wolf. We have to be so careful about what we do with God's word. He's written it to us. He's spoken it to us. It is his actual and inspired word. And we have to believe it and take it as he's given it to us. But what happens, I was in a conversation yesterday, what happens is we as people, we, we, we apply our understanding, our thoughts, our minds, our uh, sensitivities, cultural sensitivities. And then we cherry pick verses to form a defense, right? And I was talking to this young man yesterday and saying, you can't do that. Let's look at each of those verses in context and see what they mean. Oh, God is a loving and good and wonderful God, but he is a holy God. And he has given his word to us in his holiness so that we could know how to live with a holy God. And that word basically says, you can't, apart from the grace of Jesus, providing a way. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father but through me. The only way. I felt it was important for us to go into this series for a few weeks, we're not going to have but about four weeks in this series. And we're going to talk about God's word. Because what I'm seeing is so many people in the Big C Church falling away from their faith in the word of God. 
They say, I'll take this, but I don't want that. And they're questioning the very foundation that we should be standing upon. When we do that, we are wishy-washy people. The Bible says we're, we're thrown back and forth. We don't have a good stability. I want you to see that God wants you to live a life of stability, where you can know, you can be sure of what you believe, and ultimately how you live as a result of what you believe. So look with me in uh, 2 Timothy. We're going to start in 2 Timothy chapter 4. The Apostle Paul is, is encouraging Timothy, protege here, to stand for truth because people are going to want to try and tweak it. <laughs> they want to try and change it. They want to try and move it around. Paul says this to Timothy chapter 4, 2 Timothy verse 1. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom. Then he says this, verse 2, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Look at this. For the time is coming when people, this is talking about people in the church, by the way, okay? Not just the world. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. This word sound in, in this, this verse in sound teaching, in the Greek it means healthy. They won't listen to healthy, solid, biblical teaching. Instead, they want to gather some people that will make them feel okay about what they're feeling. I feel this way, so let me get somebody to, to, uh, to make me feel like I'm right, to validate these feelings. Instead of being changed and challenged by the truth. You know, this is where we are in the church today. This is where we are. Make no mistake about it. Some people don't want biblical teaching, even in this room, at this moment. But instead, you want to hear something that will support maybe, at times, your own beliefs, your own convictions. Paul says the only way to combat that is to preach the word. To preach it. To be ready to reprove, to rebuke to exhort, to teach, do it with patience, but let your defense be the word of God. So as we get into this this morning, that's what I wanna do. I wanna preach the word. I want that to be the very thing that we consider and that to be the very thing and the only thing, honestly, that'll change us. Before we get into our main text of the day, I wanna ask you this question. What does your faith look like today? What does your life look like today? Is it a life and a faith that's built on a firm foundation, solid rock? You're not shaken by crazy weeks in our country. You're not shaken by devastating things that happen in your life. You're not shaken by things that break your heart because you're standing on solid ground or is your life one that is tossed and you're unstable and you don't know which way you're gonna go and you're not sure exactly what you believe and your life has just been one thing after another. See, God's calling us to a life of stability, and that stability only comes from his word and obedience to his word. Can I just tell you that's our prayer for South City? That's the prayer for you as partners of South City, and for you that are partners that are watching at home, 
that we know the word of God and that we are firm in our faith in it. That we live our lives with such a worldview that everything revolves around the truth of God's word and where we stand and its strength. That's who we want to be. That's who God wants us to be. Turn with me in your Bible, if you will, over to Matthew, Gospel of Matthew chapter 7. This is going to be our main text today. Jesus is preaching the famous Sermon on the Mount, and he's, he's been preaching amazing different topics about different things about discipleship. And he kind of comes to the end of the message in Matthew 7, verse 24, and he says this. He says, everyone, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Would you pray with me this morning as we consider these words? Father God, thank you for today. God, thank you for this family being able to worship together. Thank you for our guests that are here, Lord. We pray that they are welcomed and loved and that they are drawn in to be a part of us, Lord, to follow you and be a people of your word. God, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would lead us to truth. You've promised to do that. Lord, I pray that you would help us to consider our lives and consider if we are living grounded, solid, stable lives. Is that where we're investing? Is that who we're becoming? And Lord, help us to understand that the only way to do that and to be that and to become who you want us to be as disciples of Jesus you want us to be are to be firmly rooted, grounded in the truth of your word and obedience to it. God, convince us of this by your spirit and change our lives to be uh, followers, Lord, doers of your word, not just hearers of it. I pray that you would increase Jesus today and that I would decrease in this time that you would lead us, Lord, that you would teach us and you'd give us the courage to be followers of your word. Thank you for your presence today in your precious name. Amen. All right, so we're looking at this story. Jesus is teaching uh, the Sermon on the Mount. I've been to the actual place, the side of the the hillside. It's it's not super steep, uh, but it's very beautiful and it overlooks the Sea of Galilee. And I can just imagine Jesus standing maybe I don't know if he's at the water or if he's way up on the hill. I'm not sure where he is, but evidently the acoustics were pretty good. It allowed him to speak to a lot of people at one time. And he's preaching this message about discipleship on a lot of different issues. Faith, judgment, prayer. He's teaching us how to pray. Uh, he, he talks about the other issues like the golden rule or how to be an authentic disciple. All these things are coming out of the Sermon on the Mount. Beautiful. At the very end, Jesus wraps up by giving us this section of scripture about where we invest our lives. He uses the metaphor of a house. I don't know about you and your house, but your house is sort of, it's your domain. It's the place where you can run and hide. It's the place where you can be at most comfort. It's the place where you can accumulate a lot of stuff, right? 
we, everything we, we invest in, everything we have, we, we put it under that roof. But Jesus isn't talking about wood and brick, mortar. He's talking about your life. He's talking about what you invest in your life. He's talking about what makes you who you are. How are you building, not a house, how are you building your life? Jesus begins to talk about the importance of the foundation. You've seen um, when a tornado comes through a certain area and just wipes out a whole swath of, of trees or homes or whatever, and often you can still see left, what? A foundation. Tornadoes sometimes will come by and wipe away a house, but that foundation will still be there because it's in stone, it's in concrete. Jesus is saying, listen, you need to build your home and your life on something that'll be there after the storm. Something that could stand secure when life beats you up. He gives it really simple, this is a simple message today. Jesus begins to talk about being a wise person, having wisdom. But wisdom is not information. Wisdom is not me teaching this morning going, here this and this and this and this. There, that's wisdom. No. Wisdom is you taking the information that God gives us in his word and then you living that. Wisdom is not accumulating information. It is living information. That's wisdom. Because there's plenty of people who can have information, not live it, and Jesus calls them foolish people, right? Look what he says in Matthew 20, uh, in 7, 25. He says, the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Is your life founded on the rock? Is it a sure foundation? Is it a firm foundation? Because when we don't build our lives on the rock, it reminds you of Jesus talking about uh, the rock in Matthew 16. He's talking to Peter. He's talking to the disciples. Peter makes this, uh, this incredible statement and says, Jesus, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus says, well, Peter, you didn't learn this from other, other men, right? You didn't learn this from your father. You learned this from God because it is the truth of God. And on this rock, Jesus says, was he talking about Peter? He wasn't talking about Peter. Christ is not going to build his church on a man. Christ is going to build his church on the gospel. And the gospel is that Jesus is the Messiah, that God sent his one and only son to die for us to give us hope, to give us life apart from our sinful nature, that we could know him, this holy God, only through Jesus and his sacrifice, right? That is the gospel. That is what the rock is. And so when we build our lives on the rock, it is the gospel of Jesus. Jesus says here in Matthew 7, if you're wise, you build your life on the rock. That is him. That's the foundation we're talking about. If you don't, then great will be your fall. You know, I've got friends that I've watched at different times who know the truth. They know the word of God, and yet they continue to push in their own direction. You know people like that? They continue just to live out of their own heart, out of their own uh, desires, out of what they want to be and what they want to do. They just continue to do what they want instead of to do what God wants. 
And I kept looking at this going, God, is this, am, is this just so simple? I, I don't want to oversimplify this, but friends, I, I can't help but tell you. You place your life in Christ and you're obedient to his word, you will have a stable life. It's simple. You live for yourself and follow your own desires in your own way, you will live an unstable life. And you can think about people who, just think about people who are unstable and do they know and follow Christ? And listen, I'm not saying Christians don't have struggle that we don't have those storms and those floods and those winds that blow against our lives because we do. But we're secure because of who we trust in and what our hope is built upon. It's not on us. The Bible warns us about having sort of a wishy-washy faith to be tossed around with no solid foundation. Look at uh, Ephesians chapter four. I want to talk about the sinking sand of an unstable life just for a moment here. Ephesians 4. I love this text for many different reasons. Paul is speaking to the church in Ephesus here. Chapter 4, verse 11. We've read it many times, but I want us to look at a section we don't often talk about. But I'm going to give you context first. So let's start at verse 11. It says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. The first half of this text talks about maturity, growing up in Jesus, being believers, authentic disciples who know the word of God, who can defend the word of God, even to the stature and fullness of Jesus himself. How are we doing? I got a long way to go. But it's important that we be mature believers, right? Why? Just so we can know stuff, right? No. There's a reason. Verse 14, so that we may no longer be children. There's no longer immaturity in our faith. So that we're not tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. That sounds pretty good. I feel like that, there's something in that. I think I'm going to follow that. No. We follow the word of God. Right? That is what we follow. That is uh, our, our, our world view, if you will. We're not carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. It's important that we mature as believers so that we can recognize what's wrong in our culture. So we can recognize these faulty doctrines, and there's a lot of them, friends. We need to be grounded. God wants us to be a grounded people in his word so that we're not tossed about, so we're not believing false doctrines or deceitful schemes, to be secure in our faith, to recognize the lies of the enemy. So Jesus talks about, in, in uh, Matthew 7, he's talking about wisdom, he's talking about stability and the foundation of our lives, so does his brother James. Look over in James with me, James chapter 1, verse 5. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. 
But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. James, in many ways, is saying the same thing Jesus has said. He said, do you, again, wisdom is not information. We're not praying, God, will you give us some information? We're saying, God, will you give us your ways and help us to live by them? And when we live by them, we'll be wise people. And the Bible says God will give wisdom to us without reproach. Of course he'll give it to us. Of course he'll aid our lives. He'll help us to walk in him and live for him in his ways. But if we're double-minded, if we're just not really sure, I think I think this and I think I believe that, that's called being double-minded. And James says you're unstable. You won't have a good foundation. You'll be tossed back and forth. There's this theme of stability. I want you to see this throughout Scripture. Peter even speaks of it in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Peter says, count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable, again, talking about stability, Ignorant and unstable uh, twist to their own destruction as they do other scriptures. That's important. We talked about this a while back because Peter is identifying what Paul has written is holy scripture. See that? So, so Peter's saying Paul's writing, his letters are just the same as scriptures, other scriptures that we have. That's important. Verse 17, you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand... Take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your what? Stability. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Again, Peter brings up this, this, this theme, this idea of stability, a foundation in our lives. To not be carried away with the error of lawlessness, lawless people that are twisting the truth. Well, how do we know? We got to be grounded. We can't live a life that is literally on sinking sand. You know, there's not enough movies anymore with sinking sand. I feel like when I grew up, there were video games and Indiana Jones. There were all these different movies with sinking sand. It's a, I think it's a good uh, element for movies. You know, it's scary. Can you, can you imagine? Standing in a place, you're just like, well, see you guys later. It's scary. You wouldn't take the most precious thing in your life and set it on that spot and go, let's see if, it, if this is enough to make it go. You wouldn't do that, right? You wouldn't put the things that are most precious to your life in a place that is precarious. You put it where it's safe. You put it where it's sure. That's the solid rock of God's word. Remember what Jesus said? I want want to go back to the Matthew 7 passage. Jesus gave us two things to consider. Again, very simple. He said, do you want to have a wise life? Do Do you want to be a wise person? Hear my words and do it. Look, look at verse 24. 
everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Simple, sort of. It's not always simple to live for Christ. It's not always simple to walk in his way. We make mistakes. We are an imperfect people, saved by the grace, kept by the grace of Jesus, right? But we keep coming back. (laughs) We step away and go, man, that was a mistake. Um, Lord, forgive me. We don't keep going. See you. No, come back to the Lord. Come back to his church. Come back to this acknowledgement of my brokenness and God's graciousness. Let that be where we live our lives on the solid rock of who he is. Because when we don't, friends, when we don't, our lives are going to be a mess in instability. Matthew 7, 26. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Uh, you know, I kept looking at this this week and I kept thinking, God, is this, is this that simple? <laughs> to build our lives on you, your word, your truth, and live that way. You bless us. You ground us. You establish us. You help us. You give us more than our dreams could ever uh, imagine. We just want to follow our own hearts. And our lives begin to break apart. There is no footing. There is no stability. Is it that simple? Friends, to hear God's word, to hear the words of Jesus, to hear the wisdom of, of the things of God's word alone is not enough. I still appreciate that you're here. Wonderful crowd this morning. Thanks for being here. But if all you do is hear and you don't apply these things to your life and live them, Jesus calls you foolish people. To just have the information and no life in him is foolishness. Why wouldn't we live our lives in such a way that God blesses? God created us. He knows the best way for our lives to be lived. Why wouldn't we be obedient to that? Instead, we change his word to fit the faulty error of lawlessness in our own lives. It's not unlike that that, uh, time we were talking about back in Acts 19 this summer. Paul was in Ephesus, and he's dealing with these men who create these idols. Remember that? They make these idols. I use the example, somebody could bring me a big piece of foil, and I go, hey, watch this. And I start molding the foil, put some ears on it. It's pretty impressive. You're like, that's pretty talented uh, sculpture out of foil. And we set it up high, and we go, okay, I made it. Let's worship it. You all would be like, what? Right? But that's what we do. We make things and then call it God and worship it. It makes no sense. And and God speaks to this through Paul in Romans 1 when he says, "You're, you're worshiping things that are created instead of the creator. When we think we can just change the word of God, we can just make it what we want it to be, we'll take this and leave that. It's the same thing as carving something and beginning to worship it because that's what we're doing. I'd be so bold this morning to ask you a question as we wrap up here. Listen, 
If you look at your life, do you see a life of stability? Do you see a life of instability? And as you seriously ponder that, is it connected to your, connect, your relationship with Jesus, your obedience to him? Because I, I just would dare say I bet it is. When you look back over instability and, and, and honestly, objectively go, yeah, I, I was not following Christ, and yeah, my life was a mess. Friends, here's the good news, though. That mess can get cleaned up today. Today. We were uh, on vacation this summer. And you know how people really like to take walks on the beach? They think that's like the most great, wonderful thing in the world. I hate it. It's hard to walk in sand. So I found myself trying to find that right that right spot, you know what I mean? Or where the water's rolling through it and it's almost like pavement. So I'm like, oh, that's good. And then every now and then I hit the sand and be like, oh, I hate this. Listen, if you've been walking in a spot that's been hard to walk and your life is unstable, man, find some solid ground. Make a choice today. It's a choice you get to make. God loves you. He is available to you. And he wants to give you wisdom. But that wisdom is not information. It's life lived on what he's given us. It's active on our part to follow him by his grace. You know, I would guess for some of you, if you're looking back over your life and you're sensing some sense of instability, maybe even in this moment, you're going, man, this is stupid. You're believing this old book. You're walking your life by these, these old fables or these old things, and, and you have your favorite verses to pull out and go, can you believe people did this? And that's your defense, right? Many of you may be even saying now, does it, does it even matter? Disagreeing possibly with what I'm even doing today. Perhaps you've already been carried away. Perhaps you've already believed in human cunning and deceitfulness. I just ask with all of my heart, would you, would you pray a prayer today? God, would you show me the truth? Help me to believe your word. Help me to know the truth. I believe he'll show you. But you can make a choice this morning to live in solid ground. I love the psalmist's words in, in Psalm 1, verse 1. I love this psalm. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. I love that verse. I love that, that scripture. And can I be uh, as so bold as to say this? Because it reminds me of my life. I, I, I am imperfect. I've made a ton of mistakes. I make them all the time. But there has been a, a decided point in my life where I chose to, to follow Christ and to serve Christ imperfectly, but to continue to keep coming back, keep continue to surround myself with people who love me, hold me accountable, and draw me back. And God has, I've seen this in my life. The writer says, listen, if you're going to live your life around people who don't honor me, 
and you're going to take their opinions, the counsel of the wicked, or or you're going to stand in the way of people who are sinful people. They don't care about God's holiness and what he's uh, commanded of us. You sit in the seat of scoffers. You're going to have an unstable life. But if you taste and see that the Lord is good and that his way is right, then you will begin to delight in God's word. There are times I read the word of God and I just begin to weep because of how good he is, how kind he is. I want to delight in his word. I want to know it so much that I want to study it day and night. I want to be changed by it. I want to be rooted. It gives us this picture. I love the picture in our graphic, this picture of these big roots and you can imagine that this beautiful tree is, is parked right next to a wonderful clear stream. And so everything that that tree needs for nourishment is right there. Water, nutrients, that's what happens in our lives when we are grounded, planted in the word of God. We have a healthy life, nourished, deep root system, a good foundation. He says, then that's not, a, that's not all. Your life will be productive. There'll be meaning to what you do in your life. You'll not grow weary, even in crazy weeks. You won't grow weary. And you will prosper in all that you do. This is a promise of God as we live in his word. Friends, I I just got to tell you, God has given me such a love for his word. And it's still not enough. I'm praying that God would help me love it more. It is amazing. The word of God is so amazing. I've talked to you about this. I love stories. I love movies. I love good storylines. I love good writing. I love uh, mystery and foreshadowing and all these. You've never seen nothing like the Bible. And every story since has borrowed its theme from this story. Next week we're going to talk about uh, the apologetic of the Bible. Why can we trust the Bible? I remember Lori and I were, were giving the gospel to a couple of friends of ours years ago. And we were talking to them about the Bible. And this friend of ours who'd never been around the church, never been around God's word, she goes, hey, I understand why it means something to you, but it means nothing to me. Just an old book. And that was really interesting to hear for us. It kind of made us go, oh, wait. Everybody doesn't esteem this like we do. We've been raised in the church. So we love the word of God. We believe that it is God's word. And so as we're giving verses from there, you're going to believe this because, you know, she's like, I don't care. She was so honest. So what we as believers need to know and do is know why we trust it, why we believe it. Why is it something we can place our lives on? Why is it something that we would give our lives for? If it's just a book, take it. But if it is the word of the living God, may we live our lives day in and day out, be willing to give our lives for it. There's nothing greater, nothing more important than this word. And we don't esteem it. We don't care. We got 10 of them in the closet. I'm I'm praying that God would change my heart and our hearts towards his word. Would you pray with me towards that end? That this little series would ignite a fire, a desire in us to consume the word of God.
so that we would be changed and so that we would know the love of this amazing God, that we would treasure it with all our hearts. Friends, can I just tell you, I, I look at our world and our culture and I, I'm concerned, <laughs> right? There's some concerns that we have. There's a lot of places vying for your attention and your trust and your hope. But I promise you this, there is no place that is stable except the word of God. There is no life that will satisfy except a life lived in Christ upon his word. No life, no dream, no desire that will meet your need. But Jesus, only Jesus. I was thinking about this this week. I found myself singing this song over and over this week. You can sing it with me if you want. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, but all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Lord Jesus, God, as we attempt to approach conversation about your word. Can I just acknowledge that I'm not enough? That I don't have enough, I'm not smart enough. But I've been changed by it. I've been rescued by it. I've lived my life upon it. Until my last breath, I'll believe in it. So God, we humbly approach this conversation about your word. And God, I pray that as, as we, we do so, that we as, as partners of South City Church, our love for your word would grow. Our desire to know you more would grow our esteem for your word would grow and that that word would change our lives and that our lives would be built on the rock of Jesus in obedience to his word. Father, we love you. Help us to invest our lives in something more than ourselves, more than our feelings, more than cultural awareness, but on the timeless truth of an unchanging God same yesterday, today, and forever. And may we stand with strength and confidence and peace, knowing that, God, you have given us all that we need for life and godliness in this word. May we stand on it, trust it, and live by it. I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.